This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with David Redding, 58 Dread. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom and Pax. I am very grateful and excited about today and today's show. Um, first of all, I just want to start by saying uh, how fortunate I feel and am for having this platform and having this opportunity to share with you pretty much on a consistent basis, week to week. Uh, believe it or not, this is episode 50, which is, you know, you asked me a year ago, uh, this was a pipe dream, really. I wasn't sure if I'd get more than three guests and wasn't sure how this format would work. And, and more importantly, didn't really know what kind of interest we would generate across the nation. And I will just say, it has been a privilege and an honor to just get the feedback I've personally gotten over the past year uh, talking to the different uh, PAX members and other members of our community across this nation uh, and sharing some amazing health stories and health tips. And um, really, in my opinion, just helping men accelerate with their health. Because when I launched this podcast, I, I think I shared at that moment that one of my passions is health. And I want to help people maximize and optimize their impact by optimizing their health. And I feel like if we don't have health, it inhibits some of that impact that we can have as a husband, as a man, and, and really just as a community leader. And so for me, making sure helping guys maximize that health is really just a passion of mine. And so I just am thankful for your listening to this podcast, for sharing this podcast. And I'm super excited about where this podcast is going and, and the guests that we're going to have as we move forward. And so speaking of guests, I thought of no better way of celebrating the 50th show of the Hunt for Wellness podcast than to have, you know, really just uh, a man who has been super influential to me uh, personally. I know we haven't spoke uh, in person very often over the past couple of years, although we have had an opportunity to meet a few times. But uh, because of his generosity and sharing on different platforms and different pla uh, podcasts, I've really gleaned an inside look of, of kind of how he thinks and some of the things he values and, and certainly some of the things he writes and creates. And it's really impacted me. And I know it's impacted many of you listening. And so I am super excited to bring on the show today, none other than Dave Redding or otherwise Dread in the Gloom. Welcome to the show, my friend. Well, honored. That was a great intro. I appreciate it. Uh, long time listener, first time guest. Well, great. And hopefully maybe yeah. a repeat guest as we, as we move uh, forward so. in this thing. Yes. I've listened to, uh, I started listening to your little call-ins, you know, when you started calling in the COT and, uh, that I thought it was a great idea when you started this podcast. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be on it. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. The honor's all mine. 
And uh, I know that you've had an opportunity to share uh, in multiple uh, arenas, certainly uh, on your own podcast with Dark Helmet, uh, first the 43 feet and now uh, the infamous uh, uh, minivan centurion and the zebra jockey uh, aspect of things. Uh, so I know a lot of probably listeners of this show have heard you in, in other contexts and certainly heard you talk about some of your um, leadership uh, strategies and, and philosophy, but I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit about health and wellness. And I know you've, you, you, you tease about it a little bit. And I know, um, in, um, uh, in F3 vernacular, we talk about the King and the queen and some of the things around health. So I've heard you speak around it and on it to, to a limited, uh, you know, set, if you will, but I kind of want to take an opportunity today and dive a little bit deeper into it talk about F3, talk about your journey through the years of it, and certainly some of the personal health and wellness strategies that you have in place that, that maybe other PACS members can glean on and uh, maybe improve their own king and queen as a result of that. Now, before we dive into, obviously, um, some of your personal information uh, around health and wellness, just real quick, in case someone was living under a rock or somebody's not familiar with F3, give us a little context of who you are uh, within F3 and, and some of the roles that you've played as a result of being part of that. Well, I can go backwards or I can go forwards. So I think I'll go forwards. I'll, I'll start where it started. So I was uh, a lawyer practicing in Charlotte in 19, or 2009. And uh, I had uh, gained about, I weighed about 220, 225, which is probably, it's at least 30 pounds heavy for me, uh, at least, uh, really 40 pounds. So this has been happening periodically since I got out of law school in, in 2000 and, uh, in 97. And uh, I, I think of it as, uh, Pogo 40 or Pogo 30, you know, up and down, up and down. And uh, I have a military background. And it, when I was in the military, I had to maintain height, weight standards. And I had to pass PT tests. And I thought that that was all internal to me. You know, I thought that was my discipline. So, what, you know, I never really weighed more than 175, 180 pounds. And I could always run two miles in 13 minutes do, you know, 85 or 90 push-ups in two minutes, do 100 sit-ups. You know, that's a PT test. I, I just thought that was me. Uh, but when I got out of, law, out of the Army in 94 and went to law school, I immediately gained 30 pounds and uh, struggled for the next, you know, 15 years, just up and down, up and down. And the way I would do it is I would reach a point where I, I was at my last pair of pants, you know. Like I had like a, a waist, a 39 waistline pair of pants, khakis it. When they would get tight, I'd be like, oh, my God, I got to do something. And I'd reluctantly go on a scale and see that I was, you know, 30 pounds, 40 pounds overweight. And then I would do a draconian diet. I, would, I had a couple of different things I would do. But basically, just I would cut down about 1,500 calories a day. And usually, I was so physically out of shape, I couldn't even run. So I'd start walking. And I'd, I'd start walking four miles a day every day. And then after a week or two, I'd run the last quarter mile of it. And then I would just kind of build up till I was running four miles. And I would usually lose anywhere from three to five pounds a week doing that, which is not healthy at all. I would get myself down to uh, the, you know, my, the correct weight. 
I'd be running, I'd be exercising by myself. I used to work out at the, uh, the, y, the y here in uh, Charlotte. And uh, every time I'd get myself back into shape, I'd, I'd think I was on this plateau, like I was in shape. So I thought, I saw it as a, as a static thing, to be in shape. Uh, and, uh, but I would always fall out of it, right? I would, I was like, at this time I'm gonna stay there and I'm not gonna let it go, but maybe I get injured or something stressful would happen. Before you know it, I'm kind of declining. Then I start lying to myself, pretending that I wasn't gaining weight. Uh, and I just repeat that, that cycle. That's why I called it BOGO 30. Uh, same 30 pounds over and over again for years. So uh, I was at the pool here in Charlotte, the neighborhood pool, and I was in one of my fat phases and I was sitting by the poolside and my gut was hanging out. And I saw this guy who's in pretty good shape, a neighbor, but he looked great. I, he, he, I thought of him as a kind of a fat guy like me or a pudgy guy, but here he looked great. And I stopped him and I said, man, you look great. What are you doing? And he said, well, I'm going to this men's workout group and it meets every Saturday. I said, oh, I don't want to do a personal trainer. I don't have a personal trainer. We just do it ourselves. And I got in great shape and, you know, we do stuff. And I was like, oh, well, I want to do that. Can I go out come out there with you? And he said, yeah. And he looks down at me and he says, but you're going to have to lose some weight before you come out there. Now, that really motivated me, made me angry. And uh, later he told, I, I told that, I've told that story before. When he hears it, the guy says, I didn't mean you were too fat. I meant we'd had military guys come out before out of shape and hurt themselves because they don't have a, a filter. And he goes, I knew that about you. And I thought you were going to do the same thing. Anyway, I did my pogo thing, lost 30 or 40 pounds, went out to this, this workout. Uh, it was October of 2009. And immediately when I got there, I was like, well, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. I mean, I, I got out and I, I, uh, I just wanted to be a part of this. And I started leading those workouts and uh, being a part of that group. And it was only on Saturdays. I only met on Saturdays. And uh, it, the, group, the group continued to grow. When I got there, about 15 guys. Within a year, it had doubled. There was too many guys. And that's when OBT, who was part of that group, that's where I met them. You know, I formulated this idea to create a second group, and that second group we started in uh, on one one eleven. That's how that's how Earth three really started. For me, it was a reaction to in, inconsistent fitness. Uh, I, that, that's what it was. I wasn't really thinking about the second F, you know, the fellowship so much. I saw it when I was in this group, and that that group did no third F at all. So there was no third F involved in that. Uh, so that that was my start in F three was just an attempt to to. I guess uh, herd immunity from fat would be what I would say, you know? Like, it's very difficult to get fat around other guys who are working harder on their fitness, right? So, Absolutely. I, that, yeah, so that's, that's what the idea was. Then all these other things that came out of that came after fact. You know, you alluded to the 43-foot podcast. So the reason why we called it that is because we recognized after early on that we were making the road 43 feet in front of, the men who were driving on it because we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were just trying to, to stay ahead. And uh, also we noticed that everybody was seen to be 43. Uh, that was the, that was the mode age, the most common age. And I in fact was 43 when I had, when I had become a Christian. So that, the number 43 had, had, had divine uh, characteristics for me as well. So that's where we started that whole idea. And then as F3 grew in those first few years, uh, we would face a challenge, organizational challenge, like, oh, we have to have an LLC or we need a bank account. You know, we have a, a workout in Georgia and Atlanta. 
How do we connect with those guys? We need a website. I mean, everything we did was an attempt to keep up with the, the momentum of the group, which we had no plans for and were shocked every time something happened. You know, like, oh, we didn't see that coming. So we would invent a way to deal with it based on our experiences or, or our, you know, what we thought we needed to do. And uh, I was, by default, the first Nantan, which if you're not an F3 guy listening to this, Nantan is, is just what we call our spiritual leader because we're very unstructured. Uh, and uh, I, I, by default, was the first Nantan. I served in that role, I suppose, since the first year we started because we didn't call it any, didn't call it that until 2000, January 2000. And I turned over leadership of F3 to Slaughter, who you had on a couple weeks ago. You, think, last, you mean 2020? 2020. What did I say? 2020? Yeah, 2000. Yeah. yeah. 2000. Yeah, 2020. I turned it over yeah. to Slaughter, uh, who is now the Nantan and CEO of the organization, which is now, you know, a completely different organization far exceeds my limited ability to manage a complex organization. Slaughter's much better suited for it. Uh, and at which point I became what we call the emeritus, which I, a role I invented for myself to stay involved, just means past, you know, past president. And I'm on the board. And uh, what I do with my time with free is I just keep, I just keep making observations and trying to record them and to add to the leadership aspect of F3. So F3 is, F3's mission is to plant, serve, and grow men's small workout groups. That's what we do. The purpose, why we do it, is to invigorate male community leadership. And I'd say my role in all that is to be a teacher and a leader. Really, I'm a, I'm a leadership teacher. That's my spiritual gift. So I do that uh, directly, uh, working with men in small groups, and I do it through writing. Uh, so that, that's where my, my time is mainly. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a journey. And I, again, I've heard some of that story before, but it's always interesting to re to rehear it, uh, especially just from the, uh, the origin of it. And to your point, how it wasn't anything like it is today. It was just you showing up, you know, personally wanting yeah. to, to, to lose right. some weight and find some accountability right. in that group. So you, uh, an OBT worked out with that group about a year and a half prior to making the second workout. Is it, am I doing the math right on that? For me, that for me, that's for me. It was almost exactly a year. Okay. And and then the leader of that group, which is called the Campos, still there, uh, was searching for a way to deal with this influx of men because it was just as successful as we are. I mean, they there was got there's always a guy out there who needs it, and. Uh, he just, his vision was to limit the size of that group and OBT and I were like, Hey, you know, well, I, I get why you want to do that, but what if we start another one at the same time? So there's no crossover in a different location. And it's only, it's Freedom Park is the first one is the campus and AG middle school. It's probably four miles away. So not, you know, you know, it wasn't that far away. But uh, that's, that's why it started, to alleviate the pressure on the campus. And I thought, you know, we would start out with five guys or so, you know, and build it up because that's what the campus had done. But we started with 30. I mean, we had 30 on the first day. You know, so, our, the, you know, I said, wow, we started this thing to relieve the pressure on the campus, and we have the same pressure immediately. So we, we had to scramble right from the start to accommodate this influx of men who are searching for 
what we find, we figured out was fitness fellowship and faith, although we did not know that, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a men's workout group. That's all it was. Uh, and, it, and all those other things came, they came out of it. Yeah. Now, were you given the name dread, uh, during the campos time yeah. or did that happen once you guys broke off? That was, that was campos. And they did the same thing. Very, you know, we borrowed almost everything that they did. Uh, I don't think we've discarded anything though we've added things. So the nicknaming process was something that they did. And they actually named me Judge Dredd because it's Dave Redding and I'm a lawyer. So D. Red, Judge Dredd. And then by the second or third week, they just dropped the judge because they said, you know, you don't have a judicial temperament. So uh, I'm a side picker. I'm not a good neutral. So they uh, just went with Dredd and that's what, that's what I became. I got it. Okay, so that was already kind of part of the process before you oh, yeah. guys even broke off. When did then F3 become the name F3? I mean, because obviously you guys were this second campus, uh, and I don't know what you guys, I guess, called it yourselves. We called it, we called it campus, campus AG is what we called it. Okay. So just the location of the the campus workout. So when did you guys kind of come up with this idea of the fitness, fitness fellowship and faith and calling yourselves F3? So we instituted at, Campos AG, something that Campos did not do, which is essentially the circle of trust. It became the circle of trust. So initially it was just a prayer. So we kind of just got in a ball of man and said a prayer. So uh, we, that third F thing started pretty, pretty quickly, although it really hadn't been a part of the Campos, depending on the queue at the Campos. Uh, some guys did it, some guys didn't, but we, we, we pretty much instituted it. So ironically, the guy who got me to go to the Campos uh, whose Campos name was Zoot, he was with us initially at Campos AG, uh, car plant team. And uh, one day he comes back. He's like, you know what this really is? It's three Fs. It's, it's fitness, fellowship, and faith. And, uh, you know, we should call it F3. So he, he came up with that. Uh, maybe wow. three months in. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've never, I always was curious about that. And then obviously you guys developed the logo after that. And oh, then I'm assuming when you jumped on the website, that's what you called it. And... It just happened organically, you know, like OBT uh, was always into making t-shirts and all that stuff. He came back one day and he's like, let's do this logo. And it, the logo we, re- we use right now is what he got off the internet, like paid some guy 20 bucks to do. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is what it, I don't know how he did it, but that's what we came up with. So that's, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And uh, we were out of that little idea of fitness, fellowship, and faith. All these other things, like a jack in a box, just sprang out, like a slow moving jack in the box, uh, and are continuing to spring out uh, because, well, guys like you, I mean, guys who are out there and see, well, this is a space where there's men who have neat, who I can serve. And here's how I want to serve them. And I have ideas and I want to share them. So in, I think what, one of the, the smart things we did was from the start, we said, we're not going to drive ideas or culture down from the top of the organization. We're going to encourage it to bubble up from the bottom and harness it. So we don't need staff. We don't need admin. We just... We're literally watching guys try things. And I would say it's like, you know, when we had 10 groups early on, I said it's like having 10 little experiments. 
and a, and a group would experiment with something and we go, boom, that's a good idea. And the website idea was to spread that around so other guys could see it, you know, on the back blast and everything and guys would read it. So one day I was sitting around watching a football game and I, and I was like, we have all these words. And I just made this crappy Google blog with the words like this means this, this means that. And that became the lexicon. That was the roots of the lexicon to share wow. it. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great. I mean, I, I love it. And you, you keep saying you using the, the, the word we, obviously many people are familiar with OBT uh, as yourself included. Um, who are some of the other few early leaders of F3 that uh, maybe not as many people know that oh, okay. uh, maybe question. you can shout out them? So, well, of course, Crotch Rocket, who was in leadership for a long time, is now rotated out of it. He ended up being our uh, our our plant guy, you know, uh, which we always had a hard time. He he, he was always a temporary fill-in. You know, we'd say, okay, this didn't work out. Well, you do it. And he'd be, he did it for years that way. Uh, he was an initial guy. AP, who was here and moved to uh, Seattle early on, still in, still on the board, uh, chairman of the board until recently, was an early guy, uh, early guy who was in. Uh, Tango Delta here in Charlotte. Uh, Trip Davis was an early guy who was in leadership, still, you know, still with us, uh, who was very influential. Uh, Matt Martello, who I don't see too much, uh, Jardy was an early guy who was initially in as this thing started to grow. Um, how, you know, and after that, it just kind of, you know, there, there's a kind of an outer ring of guys sure. uh, that have, oh, Snapfade, Snapfade runs the, runs the uh, foundation now. He was, he came up to me on a second workout. I'll never forget it. We're running around AG track. I'd never met him before. Uh, he runs up next to me and he, he's a really rapid fire guy. He's like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. What we're doing is a big deal. I mean, I'll never forget that. And he's been with us the whole time has made, has been a tremendously um, impactful, impactful leader with us. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a bunch of guys that some have come, some have gone. Guy will kind of drift out there for a while and come back and, or a guy, you know, like, uh, I mean, take you, for example, uh, of a typical guy in F3 that I think of as, has a lot of impact. I don't know when I became aware of you. I think it was when I was listening to that, those COT podcasts. But I said to Kitty, you know, that guy's really got some good information. You know, and he's like, yeah, well, maybe, you know, he said something to me about you maybe starting a podcast or whatever. And I don't know. I don't remember if I was in the leadership anymore by that time. I was like, well, yeah, you ought to just do that. I mean, it's pretty much how we've gone, right? Because you try something and it'll fail. Uh, and it goes away and, or try something to succeed and it stays, you know, we've never been afraid of failure. We had an idea very early on, which didn't work, but now is, is how we operate. And it was what we call the butcher's word. So it comes from that old Tommy boy movie where, you know, guys like, I, I can get a good look at a T-bone by putting my head up a cow's butt, but I'd rather take the butcher's word. Right. So our idea was that guys who had a particular interest in something, that they would post their butcher's word to our website. So we had a guy who was doing beer. You know, he would do craft beers. We had a guy who was doing book reviews. You know, we had a few guys who did it, but it petered out. It flamed out. I don't know why. Uh, it, just didn't, it just didn't catch on. But now, years later, it has, right? Because, you know, I, I could 
try to figure out all these things for myself with respect to health. I mean, I'm a, I'm a very baseline guy as far as knowledge, but I'd rather just listen to a guy I can trust like you and say, okay, I'll try that. You know, I'll, I'll try intermittent fasting, which I tried, right? I'll, you know, I'll give that a shot based on listening to, to what you said, to give one example, uh, as I'd rather just do it that way. And so that, that has really happened now, right? I mean, there are several guys across F3 who are doing that. Podcasts reflect that. You take stuff worth trying. I mean, that's, that's basically what that's about. So I look back at that. And I go, wow, okay, our original idea of the butcher's word was a good idea. It just was before its time. And we let it go. And now it's come back around and guys are doing it again. And it's worked. Yeah. I think it's worked. No, it's, it's been amazing to watch just in my six years of involvement with F3. And I, I, I came in at the, in the fort, which was already a well-established region when I started. So I never got to see from a ground up experience that some of these other PACS members get to see from, you know, different perspectives. And, um, but just even in our own region, uh, as established as it was when I got there, just how much has grown and changed over the years. And then certainly some of the local regions around here, even Lake Wiley, which I kind of was part of that plant because of my proximity and some of those guys. So I, I got to see that a little bit, but some of those guys came from the Fort region. So it wasn't a true plant. I mean, you know, a true brand new region. They were right, pretty, right. they were pretty handheld from a previous region. So, but yeah, I, it's been amazing to watch guys move into F3, pick up the mantle of, of, of a need that's, uh, that's necessary and run with it and not just run with it, but absolutely accelerate with it and kick butt. And, and to your point, do, do a lot more than some of us are capable to do on ourselves. And it just, it, it sure. makes the, the whole organization look amazing and, and fantastic. And so, yeah, I, it's, it's been fun to be part of. And part of that, of course, is the fitness journey is, is the idea. Uh, I think I've heard you mentioned, you know, the fitness piece of it is kind of like the attraction piece, the, the, the idiot clown or something to get the attention and, and the guys, yeah, the dancing, the dancing, the dancing, the dancing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, and to, to attract people. And, uh, certainly, uh, see that and understand that. Now you mentioned when you started campus, it was just a once a week thing. Um, yep. and then obviously we know today that F3 offers some style of workout on, on a daily basis, depending on where you live, certainly here in this region, multiple opportunities every single day of the week and different styles of workout when it comes to that. I'm assuming that original campus workout was more of that boot style, boot camp style workout. Is that is that a good assumption? You know, it, it's it actually. I think when I started going out there, to me, it looked a lot like what I imagined CrossFit was because I'd never been to CrossFit. Uh, so the they would kind of set up stations and uh, they uh, they used a lot of gear, you know. Okay. And uh, what I did the first time that I was a leader was to say. Um, was to introduce the cadence. They, they did not do that. Uh, so to have kind of a, a military style. And also, I think some would do it, but not to the degree that I did it, was to integrate running. So I said, you know, we're going to run, you know, a half mile up a hill, get to the top of the hill, do some push-ups and sit-ups top of the hill. You know, they, they didn't do that as, for instance – 
uh, as part of a, a full, like what they would do is like, they call it a train wreck. So at, at, at in uh, Freedom Park, there's this old train uh, steam engine. I don't know why it's a, but they would start at the steam engine, run up top of the hill there, uh, which is, you know, maybe a quarter of a mile and the top of the hill they would do, they'd say, okay, do 30 push-ups and then come back down, do that 10 times. And they would get all kind of spread out. They wouldn't do it together. You know, they wouldn't run together and do it in cadence. So I, I, it was my idea to do that. And then guys started saying, how do you do that? You know, like, how, how, where did you learn that? How did you do it? So I started teaching other guys how to do it. And that, that caught on. Uh, and I realized that was something that guys enjoyed. Probably the same reason they do it in the military, where it's why I started in the military. And it, 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 uh, it creates a sense of togetherness, you know, teamwork, to do it together like that. So uh, that, that, that was, I think, unique to F3, that part. Yeah, that, no, that's, uh, that's interesting that you say that. And speaking of the military, obviously, you served in the military. How long were you in the military for? Uh, nine years. Nine years. Now, was that after college, pre-college? What was that in your timeline? Between college and law school. Okay, so went to college, then went to the military, and then, then to law school. Now, would you consider yourself a physically fit person going into the military? I mean, was fitness something you did growing up? Did you play sports? Sure. I would have been the typical high school athlete, you know, not, not good enough to play college. Uh, so kind of flabby in my, I joined ROTC in my junior college. So I had to apply my sophomore year and uh, go to basic training at Fort Knox. I had to, you know, do a little bit to get in shape, but I was rejuvenating a previous muscle tone. So it wasn't like it is today where these kids don't work out at all. Right. I mean, you know, this is 1983. So, you know, you know, I was just kind of re-energizing my body. So by the time I went on active duty in in September. Uh, Yeah. You broke up just a little bit. You said when you went to active duty, when? In uh, September of 1985. 85. Gotcha. Yeah. And then so you mentioned the cadence call that you learned, I'm assuming, through the military that you then taught in the campus and then which became F3. What other things that you felt like you learned from the military that you felt like is infused into the F3 culture today? So uh, the the idea of uh, mumble chatter you know, giving each other a hard time. That's a very military thing, right? So, you know, you kind of picture the, I guess, a Zumba class or something, you know, where it's like, you can do it, you can do it kind of thing. Well, we didn't do that in the military. <laughs> I mean, like, we gave each other a hard time, right? I mean, it was a masculine, uh, what we call DSG, dynamic shame goading. You know, it was like, you know, giving each other crap to spur one another on, you know? And, uh I think that that's heavily baked into F3. And I think it brings a lot of guys out, you know, because I think there's a lack of falseness in it or there's more truth in it, you know? So we're men, right? We're supposed to do it. That's how we, that's how we get along. It's how we show we love each other. And so this is a space, you know, how millennials say a safe space. You ever heard that expression? Yes. Uh, F3 is an unsafe space, you know? And for a bunch of guys that are worn out 
with uh, with this kind of gooey safety oriented culture, a place to go that's unsafe is completely different. You know, so uh, the campos practice this. A guy would come out with a water bottle or a towel or something or a yoga mat, and they would make them. They say, "Yeah, you're not going to even you're going to need any of that junk, right? Yeah, we're just going to get tough it out. What what if I get thirsty? Well, you're going to be thirsty, right?" You know, so right. I, I think that's been a I think that's been an allure to men uh, that they're they're searching for that. Yeah, no, I mean that's a that's a good point, I, and and that's certainly what keeps it fun in the gloom. I mean that's why yeah. many of us continue to go back out there on a consistent basis. It's not just to get the exercise; it's the camaraderie, and sure. part of that, and and being the group of men allows and affords us that opportunity. And that's the unique thing about making it a, a men group, uh, you know, versus allowing, um, it to be a, a, a mixed group and, and certainly would, would probably inhibit some of that ability to, to, to well, we would, out of the way we want to men act and should act differently around women. I mean, yes. Yeah. Should, no, I, know, I, mean, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, of all the times I've been, I've given the F3 speech or talk, I don't know, a thousand times, rotary clubs, you know, churches, whatever, uh, just like I'm doing now. And uh, I hardly ever, really never, have I gotten serious pushback on the male only thing. You'll get like somebody trying to put things in perspective. Well, do you ever have a problem with that? But never has anybody ever been aggressively accusatory about misogyny or said that, you know, we're closed to women for some impure reason. And I used to have, you know, a couple of things I would say, I'd say, you know, the thing about we act differently about around women and we should. And, you know, the bottom line is my, my wife won't let me work out with women, which actually is true. You know, she would not approve of that. And I would not force her in a position where she had to approve of that. Uh, So uh, it's easier to do it this way. It's more productive. And of course we have Fia, so we have, you know, the, the, the ladies have an opportunity to do it the way they want to do it. And quite frankly, I'm not, I don't think they really want to work out with us anyway. I mean, no, really. you wouldn't think you wouldn't think not consistently. And certainly you might have a, a, a an exception out there that maybe would sure. have said, Hey, absolutely. I would, but for right. most and large, you know, probably not the case, uh, especially, right. you know, um, and, and especially when we're trying to, develop a certain culture anyway about men and that you know that brotherhood that i don't think women would like to be part of anyway I'm, sure it personally it, my opinion on that of course but so as far as f3 workouts go we talked about there's different styles do you have one that you gravitate towards as far as whether it's gear workout or, or running or a boot camp do you have one that you 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 yeah you i prefer? mean uh- when I'm, when I'm, you know, uh, what we call the pearls on a string thing, that's what I'm usually going to do. So uh, I'm usually going to try to get guys' heart rates. I, I like to start slowly. So I don't, I don't like to come out of the, jump out of the car and, and do a seven-minute mile. I want to start out with some side-style hops, you know, and some maybe some uh, mountain climbers, whatever, just get your hips loose, whatever, and then start like a, a, an easy run for a quarter-mile, mile, half-mile, whatever, just to get the blood flowing and then start doing stops and start doing Merkins and, and knee ups and things. And, and uh, ideally in a 45 minute workout, I want to work, run about four miles with quite a bit of uh, body weight 
abs, chest, you know, kind of uh, stuff mixed in more or less randomly. So I don't write it down. You know, I kind of just do what seems like it's working. And I look at the guys, you know, see what's, what their general fitness level is, but that's, that's what I will generally do, you know, and I'll, I'll look for new stuff to run on, run up, run up hills. Yeah. Uh, you know, and do, do bear crawls and, you know, crab walks and you know, all the stuff that basically you would do with your body if you were a kid and nobody was telling you what to do, right? You'd roll around in the mud and have fun. That's right. All right. So less of a gear style type of workout or ruck workout. I know that you've done those and do those because I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard you talk about yeah. that. Do you post every day? Do you post, uh, do you have a schedule of what you try to stick to personally? So it, when I'm fit, so right now I'm kind of struggling with some hip stuff, but when I'm fit, it is my goal to, to post every day because uh, I know that circumstances are going to enter in. So, uh, you know, I know I'm going to miss a day because of my practice or I got to take somebody to the airport. There's going to be some things. I, so I don't generally plan for a rest day. Uh, what I've been doing for a couple of years is I've been doing two – one or two gear workouts a week. So whereas, you know, I'm getting older, so I'll be 60 next year. I can't really run, you know, 35, 40 miles a week anymore. You know, I just don't have the years to do that. I'd rather do some more gear-based workouts intermixed. And I never really thought I'd like to ruck. I always, you know, because I was in the army, that was a thing you had to do. You know, it, it wasn't, I didn't think of it as PT really. So you know, my team, I was in special forces, my team, we would ruck every week, six miles with, you know, like 75 pounds, which is very, that's not what you take on a, on a mission. I mean, guys always talk about, oh, a hundred pound rucksack. I said, you know, you, you can't go very far with a hundred pound rucksack. You know, it's more like 50 pounds. So we'd exceed that, you know, by 10 to 15%, uh, and then move faster than you would move normally over a shorter distance, you know? So we did it once a week cause it's a, a different set of muscle. Uh, Looking back on it, I realized I actually did like it, you know, because you could talk and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I just never really thought of it as a workout per se. I thought of it as something you had to do as part of your job. And then when it kind of seemed to catch on the last few years in America, and particularly if I was injured, couldn't run, I'm like, well, I can rock. Okay, I'll do that. And uh, I've kind of grown to like it. And I, I don't really know the mechanics of it because I don't know much about that, but it seems to be a good workout for your core and give you a little more of a cardiovascular workout than you would think you would get because you're essentially walking. But so, yeah, I, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of physiological benefits from it. And, and I try to, it depends, you know, what I'm doing as far as training for certain things. But uh, if, if I'm just kind of an autopilot, as far as, you know, mixing things up, I do try to at least hit a, a one rock workout a week just from the perspective of, of just the different muscles that you use, uh, the core muscles, and, and it's a change of pace as far as intensity in some cases yeah. now. I mean, right. I've been to some rock workouts where, you know, you, you, you put the rock on at the beginning of the workout, but you're basically slinging sandbags and you're taking it off and you're, it's more yeah, of a we, gear we workout. That. That's you know, a gear a, workout. Yeah. To exactly. me, a rock workout is you put the rock miles. on your back and you go yeah. four miles. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and, and I enjoy those. And, and, but I also recognize at the end of that workout, I don't necessarily have the same intensity feeling as sure. maybe I did at a gear work. And that's okay. Yeah, I think right. sometimes we forget that we don't have to go out into the gloom seven days a week and kill our bodies. 
constant motion is good and getting out there and, and mixing things up, but we certainly don't want to do the same repetitive high intensity thing day in and day out, because that is when we get injured and that's right. when we get overuse in those muscles and so forth. So, uh, all right. So do you do any style of exercise outside of F3 or you just post? No, I just post. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious if you did any type of, you know, weight training or yoga or Pilates nope. or anything like that. Okay. Nope. All right. I used to, I used to do quite a bit of weight training, but really from the time I started going to campus, I stopped. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I liked it. Now I don't, I don't miss it at all, but you know, but I, I used yeah. to go to the gym four days a week. Now, as you've been, obviously this since the beginning, and, and it sounds like you've been consistently posting for 11 years now. Um, did you have moments where you waned as far as like your enthusiasm about going to post? I mean, did you, did you have dips if, if you will? Nope. Just injuries. So okay. I've never had, I've never had a period where I didn't want to go. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's for me, it has served that purpose of, uh, I'm an extroverted guy. I'm an early riser anyway, you know, and I get up and in the morning I get up and I pray and I read the Bible and then I'm like, I, I really, I really want to be at a workout. I don't, I don't have to make myself go. In fact, yeah. it's, I have to make, you know, I, I have to restrain myself. Gotcha. Now that's obviously not the case for every man. Uh, we, we know people to your point that you already mentioned guys that have come and gone and, and done right. different things. Um, what do you feel in your observation, of course, an opinion, what do you feel is one of the catalysts that maybe that's the wrong word to adjective to use, but what do you feel like sometimes is a tripping block for a guy to kind of stay consistently coming to the gloom and what are maybe sure. some things that they can do to, 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 to turn that around? I, you know, I think for a guy who's naturally introverted, it must be much more difficult. You know, uh, because you're introvert, you're losing energy around people, big groups of people. And then, you know, for me, if I go to a convergence or something, I mean, I'm just, that's, that's to me is just, is just, is just mainline energy. So I, I think that's one of the things uh, I really do. I, I'm a big believer in, in, in that idea of heart of particularized hardwiring. And I, and I, what I would encourage guys who are like that. Hey, get yourself a small, you know, it, uh, we're, we have never been about the idea of creating huge groups, workout groups. In fact, you know, uh, I think it's in free to lead. Sometimes I can't remember exactly where we put something, but uh, where we say that 18 is the point at diminishing returns to fellowship, I think is what we call it. Right. So you get over 18, you lose, you lose that. But 18 might be too many for a guy that's more introverted. And for him, two or three guys is ideal. You know, and that's what they should do. You know, I mean, and we've never said, well, your workout's not worth a darn if it doesn't have 18, 15, 27 guys. You know, uh, in fact, we would call a workout that got over 18, we would say that's a problematic workout. And we start encouraging guys to break it up, which a lot, the extroverts wouldn't want to do, right? And the introverts probably did want it to happen. So, yeah, I think that, that it's a great thing to have a proliferation of workouts of all different kinds. Workout, you know, gear workouts, cycling workouts, you know, uh, extremely strenuous boot camps, you know, easy boot camps, you know, whatever it is that serves 
if it serves two guys, then you've accomplished the purpose. You know, yeah. you've, you've done that. So uh, I, I think that's, that would be helpful uh, to guys. You know, the other thing is, and I, I say this to guys with respect to the church membership too, sometimes I haven't seen a guy in a while. And he's like, well, you know, I've really been getting that much out of F3 or, you know, it's not exactly what I want. And I'll, I'll flip it on him and say, well, brother, you understand it's not about you, right? It's about yeah. the other guy. And that's a good way to get a guy to get back out there. You know, I mean, uh, military guys in particular, I see are often hard to headlock for military guys. And I, I'm not sure exactly why that is. And to a guy like that, I'll say, to be honest with you, we need your leadership. And if you put it in those terms, you know, I'll say, hey, why don't you come out and work out at Oh, I've heard about it free. It's not uh, tried. It's not for me or whatever. Too early in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's early, man, but we really need you. And, and it's the, it's the opposite of what the culture would tell you. Culture is always saying, make it easy, you know, uh, as easy as you can for guys and, 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 and uh, tell them it's, you know, it's going to, what you're going to, the benefits it'll give to him. I just don't think that's the way men actually are. Mm-hmm. I think if you tell a guy, well, this is actually going to be really hard. And I, you know, but I need you there. We need you for us. That works. You know, that's, I think we were calling that the reverse headlock for a while. Uh, but that works. I mean, guys want to be part of something that's dirty and dangerous and difficult. They just, they just do. Uh, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. They also want to serve. They want to serve. So yeah. And, you, and you I've asked this question to a few other guests and, and, and you're given a similar answer, which is, I think what we really understand is this bigger than ourselves outside ourselves yep. perspective. And as yep. men, we want to feel wanted and we want to be problem solvers and we want to kind of, it's, I think it's in our nature. And, and, uh, and I found that uh, when I'm able to uh, go for somebody else and, and, and that's my motivation, it makes right. it so much easier to achieve that and do that than, you know, if I'm going for myself and I've shared multiple times, I was already kind of a gym rat at 5 a.m. Yeah. prior to F3. Right. And one of the reasons that I didn't come out to F3 as early as I probably could have based on, you know, learning about it in my, my area was I was already kind of, and I'm what we call like a situational extrovert. Like I'm, I'm, I'm introvert by nature, but I can, if you put me in a situation, I, I can talk to people and I can care my own, yeah. but it's not what I thrive on. I, I'm much sure. more quiet. You might quiet be person. somewhere in the middle, you know? You yeah. Yeah. Middle, yeah. Right? Like I said, yeah. it's, it's kind of like yeah. I prefer being an introvert, but I can be extrovert if I right. have to in a right. situation. Right. Um, but all, all that to say that it's, for me, I've had moments where I've struggled with, well, I know I can go do my own thing over here, 100% control over it. Uh, because, you know, one of the chaos thing about F3 is you show up and some other man in leadership is kind of dictating what you're doing for the day. And if right, you're somebody right. that's maybe a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word, I'm controlling about their own fitness, sure. right. that can begin to become something that they go, well, you know what? I don't know if this is for me because X, Y, and Z, but I found that for those individuals, because I was kind of one of those individuals at some point, I had to reframe it. I I go now, not for me. And I don't go for the workout in and of of itself. I go because of what I can a serve other men, but I always leave invigorated and I always leave better than I went because of the other guys pouring into me. 
And that's really what I was missing in life. It wasn't exercise, obviously, because I was already doing that. Right, but what I was right. missing was the male community. And I think that's where F3 plays a valuable role in that. And, um, you know, I, I think if men kept that in the forefront of their mind, I think consistency becomes much easier, uh, much easier on that because now you have the accountability now you're going for somebody right. else. Now, now you're serving somebody. And I think we're, we're all, um, up to that. You mentioned earlier, having injuries is something that would stop you from posting. What has been like your biggest health challenge, um, that you had to overcome? So I've had, I went through the first five years of F3. I don't think I ever got hurt. I mean, I, I hardly ever missed work. I, maybe that set the table to get hurt, but, uh, I was, I ran the, the Kiwa half marathon trying to get the years right. It was probably 2015. So that was, that's around Christmas time. And uh, I woke up the next morning and had this weird pain radiating, radiating down both legs that I don't think I'd ever felt before, you know? So of course I did the very smart thing and ignored it. And uh, I, you know, it wouldn't go away. I kept working out. And uh, then I did the next smart, really smart things. I looked it up on the internet convinced myself I had piriformis syndrome because that seemed like the easiest thing to get rid of, right? Like looking for your car keys and, you know, where the light is instead of where the, where you lost them. Uh, kept on, got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night, you know, from the pain. And uh, it was finally OBT. We were going to Nashville for an early version of what would become the, the grow ruck. And uh, we were on a plane and I was sitting on a, a croquet ball or something, you know, and I was like going like this. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, oh, I just got this piriformis syndrome and this, you know, and he's like, you don't have piriformis syndrome, man. You got a uh, herniated disc. And I'm like, nah. He goes, trust me, I've had this on and off for years. He goes, and I'm like, no, no, that's not it. He's like, okay. Wouldn't go away, wouldn't go away. Finally convinces me to go to the chiropractor and uh, she says, asked me my symptoms and she says yeah well you got a disc and uh that lasted oh man six months mm. seven months you know uh it was brutal but that's when i wrote the q source because I, gotcha. I get up every morning and uh since i couldn't work out i'd write and i wrote the q source so i look at it as god shut a particular door and you know uh opened another so it went away ultimately and uh i had probably the most i, I like i went i went too far i went back to running and i got to, i got as fast as i've ever been in my life i dropped all the way down to about 170 pounds and uh i mean i was running 45 miles a week and i was running you know this is fast for me i could I was running a five mile for, we have a five mile run here. We do on Sundays and I was doing it at about six forty five, which is, oh, nice. I've never run like that. Right. Yeah. So I had about two years of that. And then one day I woke up and my left heel felt like it was on fire. I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I did the smart thing. I went out and ran on it, <laughs> did that for a few days and, uh, finally realized you know, I've got uh, plantar fasciitis, which I never had. So I'm in my late 50, 56 or 57. 
never had flannel fasciitis. I just assumed I would never get it. Uh, but that's what I had. And that lasted a year. Wow. I mean, it, it was bad. And uh, in that year, I did every single thing a guy would suggest to me. Right down to get a, getting a cortisone shot, which I won't get a shot under any circumstances unless it's absolutely dire. Not because I'm afraid of needles. Uh, I've had a million shots in the military. Uh, I just don't want to get addicted to something mm -hmm. like that, you know? And uh, so I don't know what alleviated it. Probably nothing I did. You know, not the yeah, food. research shows that the plantar fasciitis eventually just goes away for most people. I mean, there's some stretches people. and some different things right. that you can do, but that's usually the case. Yeah, I mean, C-SPAN is like, you know, freeze a bottle of water and rub your foot <laughs> on it. Okay, it did that. Oh, there, there's the, a right. therapeutics that you can certainly do, and they, and they do give Who relief, knows? and there's certain uh, individuals that find that that is a, you know, the, the, the thing that accelerates their healing process, but large and behold, it's mostly one of those things that just one day you're like, Oh, it's, it's not, not there anymore. I don't know yeah, why. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that lasted a long time. That went away. I got back to where I was from a speed standpoint. Uh, and, uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm good, good, good to go now. And then I mean, this is becoming my tale of well, uh, what you did ask me. So I did, uh, I did. I said, yeah, I said yeah. the one biggest health challenge, but you, we can, keep, Oh, no, we I'm, keep... <laughs> no I'm going to stop. No, you're I'm, good. I've had no. those two. Yeah. No. And, and we all have injuries and, and certainly if there's something else you want to share, I was, I was just, I was kidding. No, you. that's you're okay. Welcome. This is what I do want to say though about this. Okay. Is this butcher's word idea of listening to other guys say, we'll try this or try that. I, I think is a, is a, a strength of F3 and a testament to, I don't usually like to share what my injuries are because that's, you know, too broadly. Cause then I start getting a lot of, I get too many suggestions, right? It's kind of like I'm a terrible golfer. And it's, this is true. I am a terrible golfer. I'll play with a, it's kind of the guy like, well, keep your head down, try this, try that. <laughs> and then, then, you know, I'm like, I don't want to try too many things, you know, but the guy who got me to get the cortisone shot was a, is a orthopod. And he's like, I will come to my office on Saturday. I will open the door and you can walk right in because I was using all these excuses. Uh, you know, I was like, that was the only way I would do it. But, uh, I, you know, I have heard and tried more things, not just with injury recovery, but, uh, like I said, intermittent fasting, you know, I, like, yeah. I'll listen to something you'll say, I'll say, yeah, maybe I'll try that. You'll say something and I'll think about it. And I realize, well, I'm just not going to do that. For instance, you had this bedtime ritual you had where you stopped looking at electronics and you, I think you said you put the room at a particular temperature. I'm just never yeah. going to do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should, you know, but I, I know, I know myself, right? Yeah. I'm, just, no. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, you know? Uh, but I have taken a lot of dietary tips, uh, many dietary tips and, uh, not just so speak, yes. So speaking of that, what what is what is the queen looking like? I mean, what is kind of a typical dread diet at this time of day or year, oh, uh, at this right. moment in time, rather? So e it's either I'm I am completely binary on this. Okay, I'm either real good or real bad. <laughs> and in my way of my thinking, it's a matter of wholesomeness. I'm either wholesome or I'm not. 
And my view of wholesomeness with respect to the queen is probably what you would recognize as a hodgepodge of things that I've heard over the time, over time. So uh, for me, wholesomeness means no uh, refined sugar. So just cut that out. Right. Uh, carbs, you know, no, uh, what I think of as industrial carbs, right? Like a cheese it or something like that. You know, if it's naturally occurring in a food, I don't, I don't sweat that, but I don't, uh, I, I do not eat industrial carbs when I'm uh, eating wholesomely. Uh, very little grains, you know, so I'm avoiding, I avoid seeds, even peanuts, you know, which most people think are a nut, you know, and I love peanuts, but I won't eat, you know, peanuts when I'm doing, when I'm doing this. Uh, so mainly, uh, beef, chicken, I'm not a fish fan, so I don't eat much, much of that eggs. I don't eat dairy when I'm eating wholesome and, uh, and, and, and grains I said, so I wouldn't even eat quinoa. You know, I wouldn't eat that. I, w- I wouldn't consider that to be wholesome. So, uh, and not drink. Cause I haven't actually had a drink as we sit here today in 33 days. So, so zero. So. Um, that, that to me is how, um, it's when my queen is, is doing well. And that's a hodgepodge, right? I mean, you can, uh, you know, reasonable minds can disagree to that. So I, I won't basically, you won't eat pro- anything that's processed. Mm-hmm. Avoid that. Yeah. I, I think I heard you mention whole 30. I mean, is that, yeah. that was that kind of the template you were using that some, uh, some yeah, degree? So I, gave, I gave that a shot. I've done it twice. I think it's, I believe that it works and it's correct. I don't believe it's sustainable. I mean, it's just too difficult to do. And it's, if you're living a real life, you go to a dinner party and somebody says, you know, we're having quinoa. What are you going to say? I mean, you're not going to eat it. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I don't hear wanna, you. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not strict about it. I just, I, I just, uh, I, I guess I follow the general principles of whole 30. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I mentioned, you know, the 80, 20 rule before, and I kind of, yeah, that's, right. my, that's my perspective. It's, it, it's, you know, for the most part on a day-to-day basis, certainly days that I can control a hundred percent of it. I, I try to do as wholesome to, you know, using your def- terminology right. as possible and then allow opportunities when I'm not in that scenario when I don't control, let's say I go to a dinner right. party or I'm traveling right. or, or frankly, I just want a freaking French fry and beer. I mean, you know, right. to your point, yeah. I, right. I, I, I like to live, you know, like you I, said, I, didn't you say, didn't you say that you eat dark chocolate, dark chocolate? Is that right? I do. A- 85% yeah. Uh, yeah. chocolate is, is chocolate, kind of, right. is, is, is kind of my, you know, guilty treat, if, if you want to call it that, right, that's right. kind of my consistent, I like to have that, you know, could be argued from a health perspective that, that probably it's, I can certainly eliminate it from my life and, and I'll be fine, but I, I allow it to be part of my ongoing uh, consumption. Even when I'm quote unquote eating healthy, I'll still allow sure. that to be part of it. I just found that for me, it's, it's, keeps my sanity as far as worrying about right. all this other stuff. And, right. um, and, and I've adapted over the years, uh, you know, p- part of the health and wellness industry paradigm is just how, how many dogmas there are out there. And you, right. know, you go to one camp and this, this is correct. And it's flies counterintuitive to this other camp. And yet both camps claim amazing benefits. And, 
And to their defense, probably people in each camp do receive amazing benefits, but at the same right, time, right. Th- there's always that outlier. And I- I've I had to just kind of find what really works for me, look at the science. And I've mentioned this before. I, I feel like regardless of where you're on that spectrum, some of the things that you've already mentioned, like the, the refined sugars, I add artificial colors and sweeteners into this category. I talk about seed oils, um, some of the trans fat, some of the things that I think yeah, regardless right. of the camp you're in, whether it's veganism or vegetarianism or carnivorism or keto or whatever, those foods, I think they all agree on are just not optimal for our bodies to consume. Right. And, 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 and the more we can avoid those things on a consistent basis, the healthier we're going to be. And then it's really kind of picking and choosing those other things based on your wants, needs, and desires. Um, and, and again, um, depending on the individual that I'm working with and their goals, I may steer them towards one direction or the other, just, and, and obviously I'll, I'll be transparent about my own personal diet with that person. Um, but, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, if we avoid some of those things, uh, I, I, that that's truly what's, we're going to, you know, be healthy about, um, and it's amazing though. I mean, you mentioned trying the whole 30 a couple of times and I'm assuming each time you do it, you feel amazing. You feel good. The, the problem just, with just like, this, just like they describe first week you get the carb flu. Yeah. Right? And then that third week you get tiger blood. I mean, <laughs> and you're sleeping the night through Yeah. without, you know, I mean, and it, it you know, you just feel awesome. And uh, you get to that 30th day and you're like, okay, you know, okay, they said I could put one thing back. And then... It's you know, a domino to, effect, to me, right? <laughs> domino effect. And that's why I think, you know, I don't I don't have a sweet tooth, but I mean, I love to have a piece of bread with butter on it. You know? I mean, I really miss that. So that would be, if I went out to dinner, so, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna treat yourself to something, I would treat myself to, to bread with butter on. Not, I wouldn't be chocolate, right? You know, so, yeah. I, but I, I think that doing it in a more realistic fashion that way, uh, means you're going to be able to stay in that 80, 20 bandwidth. I like that expression, yeah. you know, stay in that kind of bandwidth uh, over a longer period of time. You know, you don't yeah. feel like, oh, God, I'm just, I'm just depriving myself so much. So I'm going to reward myself with this binge and then you never get out of it. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it, that, that doesn't work for me. That's that, no. that's what usually happens to me. No, I hear you. And also another thing people need to keep in perspective is every day is a new day. I, I think sometimes people get this idea that, oh, I ate this way yesterday. So now I'm on a, I broke my right. whatever. I have to go down right. this path. And, and you don't. Every day you can decide that today I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I think that helps people kind of staying on top of it. Well, you mentioned sleep a minute ago. Um, and I know that you're, I've heard your comments in the past and in other mediums uh, where you've mentioned, you know, your, your questionable, uh, thought process about the need of sleep. And then I even recently heard you made a comment about maybe some of that has changed a little bit. So what is a typical bedtime for dread and what time are you getting up these days? Well, I mean, I get up about three thirty or four usually, you know, I go to bed at eight thirty or nine. Uh, I, um, I, I don't, I, I, the thing about sleep is I don't think it's really under my control. So I guess, I guess that's oh. my main pushback on it. You know, there's, there's not a heck of a lot. 
the things that I can do that will affect it positively are things that I would do for another reason. So like, I think you sleep better if you work out, but I'm not working out to sleep better. I think you sleep. I know this for a fact from whole 30 is, you know, if I don't have my body fighting against all that bad food, you know, I know that I'm going to sleep better. Right. And I, I've read that book a couple of times. I, I grasp, though I can't repeat it right now. I grasp the science as to why that's true. And I've heard you talk about some of those things as well. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me. So those things that are within my, what I call my dominion, right? I, I can exercise dominion over those things. If I do those things, I do sleep better. But making better sleep a goal doesn't really lead me anywhere, you know? I got and you. the way to measure sleep you know, you can measure your weight by getting on a scale. You can measure body fat, right, uh, by going in a tank or measuring your waistline, whatever. Uh, you can measure your calorie intake. You know, sleep, uh, whenever I use my watch and I look at it and it says, okay, well, you slept six hours and 37 minutes, and your sleep score is 69. You know, your REM was this, your deep was that. It's like, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not sure exactly what that means but I can watch it move based on the other things I'm doing. This is why I kind of got the idea. Maybe I need to think about it more. So I, I can reach optimal sleep for me based on diet and exercise. And I think that's about as good as it's going to get for me uh, because I'm not willing to, I don't, I'm not willing. I don't think I need to take those extra steps of, and I don't think I can. Turning off electronics 30 minutes before my bedtime is just not going to work in my, yeah, and, and, in my life. Yeah, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, the, the whole idea behind that is sometimes people struggle with sleep, right? And there's individuals yeah, right. that are right. limiting their health because they're not getting adequate amount of sleep despite trying to fall asleep or trying right. to get the sleep. Right. And there's strategies and, 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 and things that they can implement that maybe can help their body adapt and getting that. Now you may be somebody that can look at their iPhone until the last second of falling asleep and still get, you know, adequate I, sleep. I read, <laughs> I read on my iPhone. I fall asleep. When I wake up, my iPhone is often in my hand. I, I mean, you. I literally fall asleep. With it. Now that might be affecting my, my deep sleep. It might be. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would argue there's electronic magnetic fields and there's other things yeah, that we know about. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that, that it might be, and, yeah. and it's all about degrees of you know, and, and, and it's all, we pick our battles, right? There's going to be things that you're going to yeah, do right. much better than the next guy, because these are things that you're passionate about and you're doing. And then the next guy is going to do something else. that's a little bit. And, and so there's a degree of that, you know, obviously um, I guess my perspective is sleep is important as long as you're getting it great. Uh, a lot of guys shortcut sleep either by staying up unnecessarily too late in the evenings and trying to get up early um, without prioritizing. It sounds like you do the bedtime like I do, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 yeah, at the latest. I'm, uh, I'm, an, I'm a 4 a.m. alarm clock person myself because I, I like a little bit of time in the morning to do a few things. So, um, you know, I agree what, what you're probably doing is fine. Um, and you're probably getting adequate sleep, which is, which is yeah. great. Uh, you can which, tell, which can't is, you? I mean, yeah. I, I can tell. <laughs> I, I have a feeling in my eyes when I didn't get enough sleep, you know? Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, well, it affects your uh, performance. I mean, uh, they, they show um, in research and exercise, 
And even your ability to lose fat. I mean, if you're consistently getting less than six hours a night, your body just it becomes what they call more catabolic or anabolic rather. And, and you're not, or you're breaking down too much. So that's catabolic yeah. and you're just not restoring um, the way you want to. And, and yeah. it can overall um, right. get you in trouble. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I'm a believer. And I just, it's, I, I'm also probably not going to do a deep dive on bowel movements. Uh, you know, there's just like some things that one guy has trouble with and another guy doesn't. And, you know, sure. I, I hope not so, selfishly. Uh, like every once in a while, somebody will say to me, well, you know, women feel this way or that the other way. And I'm like, I, I'm not a woman. I, you know, I was like, uh, I can have, you know, I, I can have sympathy for a guy who has sleep problems, but not empathy. You know, yeah. uh, just, I, I don't have that. I never have. And sure. uh, so, but I would never tell a guy who was like focused on sleep uh, that he was wrong unless I thought he was idolizing it. Yeah, uh, no, I got, I get what you're saying. Well, you mentioned you're getting ready to turn 60. Obviously, as we age, as we change, you know, over time, I'm certainly sure, at least for me, uh, I had different perspectives of health and wellness, at different stages of my life. And I'm starting to look ahead personally, as far as how I want to feel at some of the later ages uh, of my journey here. Uh, have that impacted kind of your approach to, to wellness or exercise at this point? I mean, is that something you're consciously putting in the oh, forefront yeah. of your mind? I, I mean, the biggest difference between me now and me when after you started and my entire life until my back went out the first time is, uh, I mean, I never would stretch or consider, you know, engaging my core in any way. And I thought, uh, any kind of yoga or anything like that, that was just an excuse not to work out hard. You know, I, I mean, I would literally pull into the, uh, where the workout is and be turning off the car, jumping out the door. And, you know, and sometimes I, and I would just, I, I mean, I wouldn't spend two seconds and I, and I, and I would, I really thought that all that stuff was a waste of time and, uh, didn't know anything about my spine or alignment or anything like that. And, uh, I don't think that way anymore at all now. I mean, now I'm working at it and studying it and trying to find the best way to uh, reduce compression, I guess would be the best way to put it, you know, to find ways to do decompressive exercises and to integrate that into my routine so that I'm routinely relieving those uh, compression points that, you know, modern living give us, right? You know, crouched over your laptop, and trying to find a way to do that. So yeah, that I never would have done that even five years ago, four years ago, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, but you know, the older you get all that damage that's been done to your body. I mean, that's going to come home to roost. You know, uh, I believe that I wish I'd started earlier, but I'm just, I'm a collision learner. I mean, it's very difficult for me to do that, uh, make myself do something without encountering some pain first. And uh, I've encountered sufficient pain that I now believe that spinal alignment, decompressing your joints, you know, taking the pressure off your hips, uh, reducing that inflammation. I think that's, that's, that's pretty critical, which is probably right in your wheelhouse, right? I would imagine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Your vocation rather. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's something to keep in the forefront. You know, it's about quality of life. Uh, A lot of times we talk about longevity of life and really it's no fun living longer if we can't enjoy life and be functional. And, 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 right. and certainly as we get older, 
that's something that comes to the forefront. But some of you packs who are younger, start thinking about it now because really, if you start, you know, too late, then you, you've already missed the opportunity to really get that, you know, compound interest, if you will, as far as yeah, doing some yeah. of this stuff earlier on. So, uh, that good advice, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, so, is the goal for you to F three it until you just you're done with this with this yeah. world? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go as as long as I can. You know, and yeah, I'm going to make those adjustments that I have to make. You know, I mean. Uh, I know I can't, there's some workouts I just can't keep up anymore. That's just the way it is. Yeah. You know? and yeah. So that's been, I, to me, uh, you know, I think I read uh, Younger Next, not Younger Next Year, was Born to Run that made me think to, think about this. But the way a, a society of men should operate is, you know, the, the younger men, the, you know, in their teens or early 20s or, you know, at the height of their physical, their speed, their prowess or whatever, but they're, at the low, you know, the low point of their wisdom, you know, so they, they'll run fast, but not smart. You know, that, that next kind of cohort, 15 or 20 years, they've got some wisdom and they've got some speed. So, you know, they're, they're, they're your CEOs, whatever, you know, but the older guys who are no longer have that kind of speed, they can keep up in the back. They got a lot of wisdom, right? Yeah. So, you know, that, that was the way that uh, that author kind of described these tribes of people that ran down their game right that's that's how uh that's how we survived homo sapien man that's the premise of the book is neanderthals weren't eliminated because they were dumber i mean they were stronger and they were equal sized brains what they didn't have is this hinge in the back of their neck that allowed them to run distance like we can you know we'll outrun a horse given enough distance you know because we have this this hinge i think i got that right you know that we can continue to run in this way and that these these tribes they ran down their game you know and everybody ate you know the young guys were out ahead running it down the old guys had to run too but they knew where the you know where the tigers were hiding you know there was a purpose for them so right. i i think that in in american society well we certainly lost the the value of what of masculinity and what testosterone is supposed to do what it is we we do here but this idea of the generations what we how what we do you know uh, why we why we're together and the different roles that we play, uh, I I think that's I think that's been lost. Uh, it's my it's you know it's modernity, right? We're not we don't have to run down our game. We just run down a Harris Teeter and, right. and get what we want, right? You don't have but, to run anymore. You can just DoorDash it. That you just DoorDash <laughs> it, right? So uh, you know, I think COVID was very illustrative of this problem. You know, we just blithely assumed that we could continue our lives healthily, you know, a healthful life without proximity around other people, you know, virtually, uh, without being exposed to other people's, I mean, I, yeah, I think we're supposed to stay healthy by being exposed to things, germs, yeah. right? I mean, I mean if, you live, if you live a perfectly hermetically sealed life, you know, I, I, the, the least little thing is going to get you. You know, you're not building up any tolerance, you know, and, and, uh, so I think this has been a good lesson, you know, uh, for that. So you can say, if you are hermetically sealed away from other people, you will not gain the benefit of the healthful benefit of your body becoming more durable, right. And being inoculated. And the same can be said about ideas. You know, if you're not around other people who have different ideas 
and exposed to those ideas and rubbing up against them, then your brain becomes less durable. And uh, COVID illustrated that on every score for me. It, it showed me the truth of that, you know, across the board. And I think we're seeing right now that people are getting, are more susceptible to, to disease, not, not COVID, but other things, right? And, yeah. and, you know, their tolerance just is not, is not built up. We're not, our body is not made to live that way. We're made to, we are a, a remarkable machine of the ability to overcome things, uh, to, to build up immunity to things, both things physical and, and emotional. Uh, and, you know, we're creating a race. I know you're done going wild now. We're creating an entire generation of incredibly fragile people. I mean, incredibly emotionally, physically fragile people uh, that will not be able to survive without perfectly distilled water, you know, and perfectly distilled ideas because they're not facing any physical or emotional adversity whatsoever. So you mentioned a thing that I, that I, very, I hold very dearly in my own heart, which is when you go to an F3 workout, you get at, you get, I'm sitting in my den in the morning where, you know, at 5.15, I have to make a decision whether to leave or not. You know, I could just do a workout here or whatever, you know, get on the Peloton. I don't actually have Peloton. And I make the decision to go out into the cold, the rain, subject myself to an unknown cue who's going to make me do things that I may not want to do. That is one of the most healthy decisions you can make in your life on a daily basis is to introduce yourself to a little chaos, physical and emotional chaos, just a little, you know, 45 minutes of it, right? A little mini obstacle course for your life. Get through it, come home, take a hot shower. You're a better man for it. You know, I, I believe. Uh, I, I 100% agree with you and everything that you said, you know, leading up to that, you know, I agree as well. I mean, absolutely. We're, we're, we're made to intermingle. We're made to socialize. We're made, you mentioned viruses and, and bacteria and, and germs. Yeah. And that's how the body adapts and strengthens and, you know, viruses pass through people. And every time it does, it gets weaker and weaker. And that's the beautiful right. thing of herd immunity. Right. And, you know, I know we're not going to go on that tangent uh, today, but I agree. And, and we're seeing it in real time. I mean, RSV is an epidemic RSV, right now, yeah, in, right, in, you know, right. in, in the children and all these hospitals are saying exactly what you said. These kids were locked down and specifically these newborn babies just were not experienced real world exposure that most of us naturally went through when we were born and, and kind of got in that environmental influx of information, which is what that is. Um, and, and so their immune systems just can't handle it. And I think we're, we're seeing the detriment of it. So, yeah. So packs, get out there and post, build that immune system, yeah. Uh, yeah, build, build that, uh, social, uh, abrasiveness that we all need, get those different perspectives from those guys in the gloom that maybe think a little bit different than you do some things a little bit different than you. It makes us all better at the end of the day. It's all about, you know, it all adds to our health and longevity oh, uh, yeah. individually and as a species. So I, I think, I, th I think good, good words of advice. So to wrap this thing up, man, I got two final questions for you. The first is this, you've already, you know, shared tons of great health information and tips, but if you had three things that you could share to a sad clown or guy getting out in the gloom to kind of get them on their own hunt for wellness, what would three tips be? 
first of all, I would say decide why you're doing it. Get that through your head, right? Why, why you're doing it. You know, if it's, and I, I, I it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to matter your, your why. If your why is I want to have a six pack so I can, you know, walk down the rail trail here in Charlotte and attract young women. Fine. At least you, you got some, some reason to do it. Right. Now, if you ask me, what should my why be as a man, I'd say your why needs to be, you need to be physically as physically durable and healthy as you can be to serve your wife and family, to protect them. That's, that's why you need to do it to carry their luggage out to the car, right. To protect them. If there's a physical threat to go out in the rain and get the car so you can pick your wife up at the front of the restaurant because you forgot to bring an umbrella. I mean, this is what you are. This is why we have testosterone. This is why we have that, right? We're made to do that. We don't have the superpower of producing other human beings. Our role in that is very limited, right? But we have a very important role in protecting that wonderful miracle maker of our wives while they do it. You know, we have that and I and embracing that and say, this is why I exist. This is my purpose as a man. That's where the mini Vincent Centurion started in my mind. Boil it down for young men, explain it to them, love and protect your family, be an asset to your community and fight to hold the middle of the nation because those all three layers have to go together. And to do that, you must be fit. You can't, you, you cannot protect your family as an unfit man. You are not an asset to your community if they're wheeling you through the airport in a, in a wheelchair. You're not an asset. You're now a liability. I'm not talking about a guy who's, you know, has spinal damage. I'm talking about a guy who's let himself get so obese or so infirm that he's no longer capable of carrying his own bag. You know, that, that's, that is critical. And you certainly are not going to be part of the middle of the nation. And I'm talking about that, you know, the cohesive middle that doesn't go out to the fringe. If you're physically unfit, because that makes you emotionally unstable and you're going to get sucked into one side or the other of this thing, you know? So that would be my advice to any young guy. If you get up in the morning and you can't figure out a reason to get out there and work out, how about that? To be fit, to be able to do that. And that's my goal. I, I like to look good on the beach. I want my clothes to fit and all that stuff. Those are good reasons. Uh, but the most important reason is so that I can be of service. And that's much more of a, I guess, a driving force uh, to, to continue to stay fit. Second thing I'd say, experiment. I mean, I think I read that, uh, that Cal Ripken changed his basic swing, like his stance and swing hundreds of times, you know, to, to stay on the field, right? So he had that incredible long stretch, but he had to, they didn't give it to him. I mean, he had to, I guess he's a lifetime 270 or 280 hitter. He's a consistent, consistent asset on the field. He did whatever he had to do to stay fit. He experimented with things. So uh, I've changed my viewpoint on many things over time. So I can, can because I've listened to other people. You know, I'm stubborn, but, you know, if I trust a guy, I might watch him and say, what? That's obviously, I never thought I'd, you know, use a kettlebell or anything like that. It works, right? So, yes, I'll try it. So I'd say that, be, be willing to experiment. So first thing, find a reason why you want to be fit. Second thing, experiment to find out, uh, you know, what works best for you. Third, accept the fact that this body of ours that we're given 
is been given to us uh, for us to be stewards over. Like, look at your body that way. You know, it's something that was formed from clay, I believe, by the creator for a specific purpose, handed to us to encase our soul in. It's the least we can do is to take care of it while we're here and to, to keep it as fit as possible in whatever way. And that connection with, for me, for God, makes it a lot easier. So I don't have any particular opioid problem. I, I never had it, so I don't know. Or, you know, I'm not an alcoholic or whatever, but I, sometimes I drink too much. Uh, I certainly don't eat properly every time. But if I say what I'm doing, what I'm putting into this flesh bag that I've been handed, carefully crafted by the Lord, I'm doing that for his glory. Like he's given me, he's given me this body to take care of. You know, like if you borrowed a car from your friend, you wouldn't take it through the drive through at McDonald's and throw, you know, the empty wrappers on the ground and let your dog go through dog crap in a sewer and jump in the backseat and just bring it back to him and empty and say, hey, Bob, thanks for your car, right? You'd be ashamed to do that. You look at your body the same way, right? It's something you've been given by, by a friend to care for. And I want to bring it back. Of course, there's going to be some miles on it, right? But that, those miles are the result of fair wear and tear. Not abuse, not neglect, fair wear and tear, because I actually used it in his service. So the scars I bear, you know, and the things, you know, they are there because I used it the way it was designed to be used and cared for it as best I can. And I'm bringing it back and saying, thank you for the opportunity. Those are the three things I would say. Those are the three governing principles I try to live by. And I find doing that makes it a lot easier for me to, to stay in shape, to, you know, to have, instead of just making it all about me. I mean, those three things make it a lot easier for me. I love them. I, I think that's fantastic and, and, and so true on all aspects. And I appreciate you kind of expounding on each one as well. Cause I think that got adds a lot of context. So appreciate that brother. So I do have one final question for you, but uh, before I ask it, I do just want to take a few more moments here and just thank you again and say, uh, I appreciate a coming on the show today, but more importantly, just for what you've done uh, in, in our community uh, for F3. I know um, uh, you often mentioned, you know, it's undeserving and, and, and it's honored. And but but really, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate this organization and more importantly, what you continue to put into it. It's one thing to say, well, yeah. I was there the day one workout and, and I participated and I kind of got it off the ground. But even 11 years later, you were still dedicating many hours on, on a week to week basis, just, you know, inspiring men to be better husbands, better fathers, better leaders. And certainly I'm speaking from experience on that. So thank you for that. And, and I really appreciate that uh, and, and what you're doing. And if someone needed or wanted to contact you, uh, just reach out to you. What are some best ways for them to do that um, uh, if they wanted to do that? Yeah, just email me, dread, D-R-E-D-D-C-N-C, which is Charlotte, North Carolina, at me.com. Dread, C-N-C, at me.com. If you want me to talk about anything F3, you know, it's, I'm going <laughs> to, will, I will run my mouth. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a passion. 
I was going to say, you can definitely tell that you, you love it and it's a passion of yours, which is what makes it attractive. And, and I think that's, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, and I think those of us whose lives have been changed, when we get a chance to talk about it as well, hopefully we exude the same uh, excitement. And, and, and I think that's why it grows, right? I mean, I think that's why we're seeing this so. influx of people coming into this organization because it is changing so many lives. So, I mean, I agree with you. So my last question is this. What is your definition of wellness? Oh, uh, it is fitness for a particular purpose. So there's to be in shape, right? Uh, which I think would just be, you know, your BMI is fine or whatever. Uh, that That's one thing. But to me, wellness is fitness for a particular purpose. Uh, and my purpose is husband, father, lawyer. So I, I aim to be fit for that. Uh, I, I aim to be well for that. I aim to be uh, mentally alert when for when people need me, whether, you know, starting with my family then moving out to, you know, ultimately to my, my clients. Uh, that means that, you know, I'm clear headed and I, you know, and I'm, um, I feel well enough to be able to do that. You know, if I have to carry a box of trial exhibits, I can carry them to carry them in the, into the courthouse, you know? So that's, that's how I feel about wellness. I know that every man's days are numbered. Uh, and I, my belief system is such that though that, that number is not in any way in my control other than taking care of my body that, you know, I get, I could walk, I get, uh, lightning can hit the house tonight. And this might be the last, my, my last moment I'm hurt. I don't have to worry about any of that. There's not a, there's not a, a thing I can do about any of those external things. All I can do is the internal things, you know, what I put in my mouth and what I do with my body and, and to try to be consistent. So uh, for me, wellness is, uh, maximizing, maximizing my ability to perform the calling that has been placed upon me. Um, so that, that's why this all dovetails in so closely. That's why the, the, the first F is fitness. And, you know, you, I don't know if I've told you this, but there's always, and periodically guys are like, well, the third F should be first, you know, God's more important than, than your body. And I, and I say, I agree that God's more important than your body, but you can't serve God unless your body is, is your, you know, that first step. So it's like it, your first step fitness is relationship with yourself. Second F is relationship fit, fellowship with the, your concentric. Third is relationship with your creator. It just goes in that order. It's, it's not, it's not to say one thing is more important than that. That's just the order it, it goes in, you know, and, attempts to circumvent that aren't really successful. That's why uh, your, your podcast and your ministry of sorts, well, it's ministry really, is, is part and parcel of what we do here. You know, helping men to be more fit is extremely integral to, to what F3 is. Uh, I believe uh, that when I get to heaven, that I'm going to, uh, you know, be at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to have to account for the things uh, done while I was in the body, both good and bad. And I will say, uh, my prediction is going to be that amongst the things I've directly done, there are the things that I've influenced to be done. And one of those things is going to be you. I feel like I've influenced you, right? For the good. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Right. You know, and then I believe that God will say yes. And then he'll show me who you influence. Like, I believe I'm going to be looking at this infinite explosion of influence for good. Like, you know, he's going to show me where I fit in, like where the men who influenced me and then the men I influenced, you know, and, and the compound interest of that. He's also going to show me who I influenced for bad because there's been times in my life where I did things that were not right. And he's going to show me that too, because I have to account for that as well. And uh, I want to believe that every day that I'm on earth, I get to lengthen out the good, you know, that good line and the, 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 the bad line is shorter. It doesn't go away and it's not weighed. You know, it's not as if, Oh, well, you're, it just is what it is. And by focusing on that good line, accepting forgiveness for the bad line, I'm forgiven for that. Those sins are behind me, but focusing my energy on that good line and be able to see it happening. I take tremendous joy. So you asked me why I listen to the podcast. I listen to the podcast because I'm hearing what I feel like the Lord instigated in the hearts of some men. It, it led to me and then led to other guys. I'm seeing it happen. And I can't think of a more fulfilling thing to have happen on earth. I just can't think of it. You know, I mean, to see it happen and to see other men doing it. I guess that's that to see other men doing it and knowing that you helped another man find his purpose uh, and to, to maximize that, that the compound, the compound interest of that to me is, uh, I guess that's the most joyful thing on earth for me. So thank you for what you're doing. I'll throw it back at you. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, and uh, keep doing it because I know there's guys out, there'll be a guy out there who will listen to your podcast one day a guy who's 40, 50, 60 pounds overweight, can't sleep, just caught in that cycle of, of bad health, it's screwing up his relationships, he's in despair, and he'll listen to it and say, well, if that guy can do it, right? Not you, but when you're getting, if that guy yeah. can do it, right? Then he'll be inspired to do it too. And if, if one guy does it, think about it. One guy, I mean, you've, Born all the fruit in the world that you ever have to go bear, right? So anyway, that's the way that's the way my mind works. Uh, so thanks for being part of that. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com on the nation Slack at Bones or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.